You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. (laughs) What a great service last Sunday that we had. And uh, I'm just going to say this about Pastor Danny. Uh, There's a lot of things that I admire about Pastor Danny. Uh, His integrity, his character, his faithfulness, a lot of different things I could say. But the one main thing that I have really admired about Pastor Danny, and that is his uh, uh, willingness to stay true to his vision, what God gave him many years ago. And uh, I know for a fact that there have been different issues with in the past, way back there, with different board members wanting him to do it this way or do it that way. And I know there's been other people outside influences that said, well, if you do it this way or if you do it that way, And Pastor Danny has always maintained his consistent faithfulness to the vision that God called him to, and that is that he wanted to build a church that was uh, bringing the unchurched into church and getting them to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And that's his vision. And he's been faithful to that. And there may have been times when he could have done other things and had a great big crowd, but he stayed faithful to his vision, to what God called him to do. Now, I'm not saying that some of those other things are wrong or are not right for other churches, but it's not for this church. And I just admire that about him. So this morning, uh, I mean, 40 years and uh, still counting, and you just don't find that where ministries, ministers stay at a church that long. And we ought to just celebrate that fact that Pastor Danny, I say this too all the time, I've been at conferences and heard him speak. And, you know, he, everybody says it, wherever we're at, that he is one of the best communicators, uh, one of the most knowledgeable, uh, one of the most uh, intelligent as far as communicating the message. And sometimes I think, maybe I do myself sometimes, take that for granted of how blessed we are to have such a uh, great pastor. I think we need to celebrate Pastor Dan. Amen? So I am going to continue in our series in Corinthians about crazy church people. And actually, I am doing 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And since it's just a few verses, I'm going to read this whole chapter. Now about food sacrificed to idols... We know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. 
The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. So then about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Verse 9, this is a key verse in this whole chapter. Be careful, however... That the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. So verse 1 says, now about food sacrificed to idols. The whole question of this chapter was... Could a believer eat meat that had been offered as a sacrifice to idols, to false gods? Or was it a sin? Now, in the world we live in, that's not really a problem. I don't know of any heathen temples here in Gumboro where they're bringing their bulls or their goats and offering them up to idols. But in the world of the Corinthians, this was a big problem. And Pastor Danny talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago, about all the heathen temples and all the idol worship and all of the uh, uh, sin and evil that was going on in Corinth. It was one of the most wicked cities at that time. And uh, what was happening is that people would bring their bulls or birds or cows or whatever, some kind of food, and they would offer it up to these false gods, to these idols. And then what was left over, the priest would take across the street to the little sub shop, to the restaurant, to the deli, and they would give this meat out, and then they would resell it. And so it was a problem in Corinth, okay? And um, let's look a little bit at the people of Corinth. Now, Pastor Danny's always gives us a, a lot of background on Corinth, but just understand this. 
when the Apostle Paul arrived at Corinth, there wasn't the First Baptist Church with big banners welcome the Apostle Paul. There was not one Christian to greet him and say welcome. There was no church at Corinth. There were no Christians at Corinth. The Apostle Paul came and through the preaching of the gospel, he birthed the Corinthian church. And then after a short time, I think he stayed probably at Corinth more than any other place. It was like a a year, year and a half, something like that, and built this church at Corinth. But then he left and went on his missionary journey, leaving behind a bunch of babies and very immature Christians. Now, he appointed leaders of that church, but they were still just immature baby Christians. They had no Bible. They had no TBN, no Daystar, no Hillsong, no commentaries, no religious books or or spiritual books, nothing to show them how this was done. They were just a bunch of baby immature Christians. Now, when I was reading and studying this chapter, I thought about that. They had an excuse to be crazy church people. But I had to ask myself, having all those uh, TV stations and TV evangelists, having a Bible, having commentaries, hundreds of them, okay? I have all kinds of study Bibles. I had to ask myself, what's my excuse for being a crazy church person? And believe me, some things I do, just ask my family, they would tell you, that guy's a little nuts sometimes. He's weird. He's different. Okay? So what's my excuse? I shouldn't have one. Now about verse 1, about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we possess knowledge. Paul's not just talking about academic knowledge. He's not just talking about natural knowledge. He's talking about spiritual knowledge. All the Corinthians had some spiritual knowledge. All the Corinthians in the church, the believers. After all, they had to have some knowledge or they wouldn't be part of the church. They understood what it meant to be born again, to be a Christian, to follow Jesus. They understood the basics of Jesus dying on a cross and being raised from the dead, sending into heaven. They understood the basic premise, so they had some knowledge, but you know, knowledge in itself is not enough. And Paul says that in verse 1, knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. Knowledge in itself will only lead to pride and selfishness. Verse 2, the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. Proverbs 26, 12 says it like this. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Romans 12, 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Over my 40-some years of 
walking with the Lord, I have found some Christians who think they know more than they ought, or they think they know more than uh, what they really know. And I'm going to use a, a, a crude sort of illustration, but this is the way I understand it in my walk with God. See, I got saved, and when I got saved, I had about a fingernail full of knowledge of God. And boy, I thought I was, I knew it, man, I know. But then I realized God is bigger than that fingernail. He's big as that whole finger. And then in about, oh, 15, 18 years, all of a sudden I realized, oh, I know this finger for or this thumb full. But then I realized God was big as my arm. And then after about 40 years, oh, man, I got some knowledge. I, I got all this knowledge of an arm. But then I realized God is big than my whole body. See, this is just my understanding. The more I know of God, the less I realize I know of God. And I hope I never get to the place where I think I know God. And I know how to do it. Because then I'm on dangerous territory. Okay? But the man who loves God is known by God. If you love God, God knows you. God loves you. And in that relationship, we should desire to walk in a loving way to those around us. The Apostle Paul uses this whole thing about eating meat offered to idols to really point out to the Corinthians how selfish they were. Okay? In chapter 11 of this same book, he uses the Lord's table talking about how selfish they were. In the early church, they didn't just come to a communion table and, and have a little cup of wine and break some bread. They had a meal. And what was happening in Corinth was that when they would gather for this meal and then share Holy Communion, the well-to-do people were bringing all this food and they were eating and they were drinking and some were getting drunk and others who didn't have, weren't well-to-do, they were just sitting there not getting fed, not getting any food and those well-to-do people were being selfish. This is what Paul is pointing out. This is the whole message of this chapter. It's not really about eating meat or not eating meat. It's about being selfish. Now, I often do this in my Wednesday night Bible study. I'll, I'll make some kind of statement and I'll say, I know we are, and then I have to bite my tongue because I realize that people in my Bible study, just like all of you, I'm sure none of you have a selfish bone in your body, do you? Now, I like to say I have some quirks, okay? And really, it's just sin, but I just, I call it quirks. Uh, birthdays, Christmas, we all have to do our birthday list. Put down a list of things that you want for your birthday. Put down a list of things you want for Christmas. By the way, I've already started working on my Christmas list already. So. <laughs> so, but I have this little quirk. After the birthday, after Christmas, 
I keep my list on my bureau. And then I'll start looking over my stuff, all the stuff I've got. And I'll look at Kathy after everybody's gone and I'll say, I didn't get that belt. I didn't get that wallet that I asked for. Or I didn't get that DVD. Now, that's a quirky, right? No, that's selfish. That's what that is, really. If you want to be real, that's selfish. And so that's what Paul is talking about. It's, it's, it's the whole premise of this chapter is that many in the Corinthian church were selfish. Then verses 4 through 6 he again talks about eating this food sacrificed to idols. And basically what he says in those verses is that the non-believers who were going into these temples thought that these idols represented some kind of God. And if they offered up their sacrifices, then their God would meet their needs. Their God would supply whatever they had need of. He would take care of them, protect them. So, but the believers realize that there's only one God, the creator of the heaven and the earth, and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Verse 7, he goes and explains that. But not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol or to a god, to a false god. And since their conscience is weak, or we could say it this way, it's defiled, that as immature uh, baby Christians, they were carrying over some of their understanding and beliefs from that temple worship that they had just come out of. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I know I carried some things of this world, probably a lot of things, over into my spiritual Christian walk as a new baby Christian. And I even, when I began to go to church, I went to a church that you'd probably classify as a holiness church. Now we're talking about back in the mid-70s. But this church preached that you didn't dance, you didn't play cards, you didn't go to movies, you didn't drink, or smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do. <laughs> okay? Now, for years, I carried a lot of that around with me. And, and really, until I got to this church and began to hear the real message of grace. Okay? But some people carry some of this stuff over with them. How about you? Verse 8 says, but food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Jesus said it like this. It's not what goes into the body that defiles the body. He said it's what comes out from the heart. That's what defiles the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 23, verse 24. This is such a powerful verse of scripture. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. 
Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Now, I just told you about uh, the churches, first couple churches that I attended, and how they were like holiness churches. And, uh, and so one of the things was secular music. You don't listen. To, that's anathema. And it wasn't again until I got to this church that I realized that that was just some man's tradition. Now, my wife would tell you that I spend way too much time listening to secular music. I, I, uh, I love worship music. Uh, I love praise music. I love the hymns. But right next to it is 50s. Rock and roll, Buddy Holly, Chuck Berry, Sam Cooke. Every once in a while, I'll go up into my room and I will just shut the door and I will just break out my old vinyl and put it on my record player and put on my uh, lava lamp and my mood lights and just relax. Okay? Now, I know some of you in here say, oh, my God, Pastor Jeff is just, he backslid. No. But what does this scripture say? It says everything is permissible. Listening to rock and roll music, some country music like Hank Williams and Johnny Cash and some of them old, that, that's permissible to me. Maybe it isn't to you. I don't know. But it's permissible to me. Now, it may not be the most beneficial thing for me to be doing, okay? It, it certainly doesn't help my spiritual growth. But I'm just using that as a small example of things that we can do, and it's not a sin, but it may not be always that permissible now, or, or that beneficial. But now listen to me. Listen to me. If I'm with one of my old-time friends from back at one of them old churches who still believes that it's a sin to listen to secular music, I'm not going to put Janis Joplin on because I'm not going to offend him or her. I'm not going to do anything that would cause them to stumble. See, that's what Paul is talking about. See? Verse 9, be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak, to the immature, to those who don't have that knowledge or understanding about the grace of God that you may have. Don't put a stumbling block in their place. Galatians 5, 13, 14, you, my brothers, were called to be free. We are called to be free. We are free in Christ. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, and this again is what he's talking about. For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you, who have this knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother, immature, baby Christian, for whom Christ died, is destroyed by your knowledge. It's permissible to you. It's all right for you. 
But if you're going to do it and cause someone to stumble, Paul says, don't do it. Because what are we all about? What is Pastor Danny's vision? Get the unchurched into church. In the mid-80s, now again, we're talking about a number of years ago, and and most of you in here are going to have no clue about this, and you're going to think, gosh, that was just idiotic. But back in the mid-80s, there was a big push. I won't say from the majority, but from certain denominations and individual Christians that uh, watching TV was sinful because it promoted sex. It promoted violence. It promoted worldliness and all of these things. And so literally, there were some Christians who took their TV and threw it in the trash can. I was never one of them because, gosh, I couldn't live without the NFL. I mean, no, no. no. (laughs) Uh, So there was this, now this wasn't at this church. This was another church uh, that I was associated with. Uh, There was a brand new couple, brand new believers, immature babies, who really only been maybe a few weeks serving the Lord. And they wanted to get connected in the church. So they invited three couples, Kathy and I, and there was a couple other couples. And one of these couples was one of those who believed watching TV was a sin. So we walk into this couple's house, this immature baby Christians, and they're watching the news on TV. And this one dude who believed it was sin to watch TV, not his house, not his TV, walked over and slammed the TV off and said, don't you know it's a sin to watch TV? What do you think happened to that couple? (laughs) They became defiled, as Paul uses that word here in Corinthians. They became offended, probably felt a little maybe guilty, like, oh my God, we didn't know. And and now everybody's going to think they never came back to church. Even though this was a false, idiotic knowledge, the knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. He should have went in, and even if he thought that was wrong, he should have expressed to them just casually in the light conversation over a meal how he felt about that, but he could not force his way. And see, that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about that you, it's permissible to you maybe. It's all right for you to do, but you can't force that on other people. You gotta, you gotta love people. You, you can't, you don't wanna cause anyone to stumble. Okay? Verse 12 says, when you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so I will not cause them to fall. And we could put anything in there. I will not watch TV again. If it's going to cause someone to fall and stumble and not serve Jesus, I will not drink wine again. If that's going to cause somebody to stumble and miss out on the kingdom of God, I will not wear jewelry, whatever, 
You put anything in there, if it's something that you're doing that you know will cause some of the stuff. Now, there are some things we do, we don't have any idea, so I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm talking about things you know that this young believer over here doesn't believe in, doesn't think that's right, then you don't do that in front of them. That's why when I listen to rock and roll music, I go up into my my little man cave and I'm all by myself because I don't want to offend my wife. Hey. <laughs> uh, uh, I, one of my former pastors who was raised in uh, like he was born in the early 40s and was raised always in Pentecostal holiness churches. The church he went to uh, that he was raised in, you could not drink soda pop from a bottle. Now, we're talking about the 40s and, and 50s because beer was served in a bottle. And so you had to pour your soda pop in a glass. Now, we all think that's hilarious or really weird, but that was what they believed. You know, and they didn't dance and do all those things. They didn't wear jewelry. They would not even wear wedding ring because that was vanity that was prideful and so this pastor pastor bob after he had grown up and gone away and all kinds of different ministries and married and had children but every three five years his home church that he grew up in would invite him back to do revivals for five seven ten days and you know what he did when he went to that church he pulled his wedding ring off and put it in his pocket. Not because he thought that was sinful, but because he knew that he had an important message to give to those people. And if they saw him up there with a wedding ring, what would they be doing? Oh, my God. He's done backslid. Look at him. He's all pride lifted up, got that ring on. Oh, my. They would not hear the message. Okay? So he didn't want to cause them to stumble or be offended. So he took that wedding ring off. Was, was that wrong to wear a wedding? No, it's not wrong. But Paul, the whole thing in this thing is don't do anything that would cause your brother to stumble. Pastor mentioned this a few weeks ago. We're going to wrap this up here. We live in a world where everything is about me. Right? We live in a world where people feel like they're entitled, like the world owes them something. And sometimes we bring that over into the church. Several years ago, I was meeting with some leaders. I believe it was, may have been all pastors. I'm not for sure. And again, it was several years ago. And... Uh, they got talking about the whole thing. Is it all right for Christians have a glass of wine for a meal and whatever and back and forth on that. And as I told you, for years, I felt like, oh, my God, no, that's anathema until I realized the grace of God. And everybody has to settle that in their own conscience. But I remember this one pastor that stood out, just stood out to me. I'll never forget it. He said, well, I don't have to drink wine. I don't have to, but I got to 
have wine with my steak. With my steak, I got to have wine. I've got to have wine with my steak. He said that three or four times. And you know what I heard? I, 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 I. He didn't care about if that offended you. He didn't care if that might cause you to stumble. It was all about him. I. Okay? And that's what Paul is trying to get through to these Corinthians. And I think that message is still valid for us today. All things are permissible. Okay? All things are permissible. But not all things are uh, beneficial. That's the word. All things are not beneficial. And so, I guess what I really want to get through to you is, and, and me myself, I have to continually look at my life. Are there things that I'm doing that would cause people to stumble? I'll give you this last illustration, and this is out of my own life. And some of you are in my Wednesday night Bible study. You've heard this, and some of you have been in church. Probably heard this before too. But I was pastoring in Federalsburg, <clears throat> and as I've already said, I'm a big sports fan, just big sports fan. And uh, so I always got Sports Illustrated. Now let me just say before I go any farther, if you get Sports Illustrated, I'm not condemning you. But it was February, and the mail lady brought the magazine, and I knew she was a Christian, went to church, and I pulled the February issue out, and I don't know if any of you have ever read Sports Illustrated or have gotten Sports Illustrated. You know February is a swimsuit issue, okay? That's all's in there. They may ca- uh, cover Australian rugby or something like that, but it's basically the swimsuit issue. And the Lord just convicted me. What does that Christian lady walking away think about you getting that kind of magazine? So I did away with my Sports Illustrated, and I got the sporting news. Doesn't have a swimsuit issue. And a couple years later, I'm sitting in my living room reading the sporting news. And believe me, when I say reading it, I read it from the first letter on the front page to the last letter on the back page. I would spend sometimes two hours just going over this sporting news. And all of a sudden, I felt the Lord say to me, what else could you be doing besides two hours reading the sporting news? Spending time with your wife? Spending time with your children, spending time with me. So, there went the sporting news. Now, again, I'm not condemning anybody. If you get Sports Illustrated and sporting news, all things are permissible. Okay? But there's some things in my life that God won't allow me to do. And there's some things in your life that God won't allow you to do. But there's things he will allow you to do. And there's things he'll allow me to do that he won't allow you to do. The whole point is this. Be mindful of those around you. 
And if you're doing things that may be permissible, may be all right, it's not a sin to you. But if you think it will cause your brother or your sister or that unsaved, unchurched person across the street to stumble. And Paul says, I wouldn't eat meat again if I thought it would cause someone to stumble. I'm wrong with eating meat. Gosh, I love meat. I love steak. I love fried chicken. You know, I love meat. But if I thought it would cause one of you to stumble or fall, I'd never eat meat again. I'd be willing to sacrifice that. And that's what Paul's talking about. Are we going to be selfish and demand that I have to have wine with my meat, my red meat? Are we going to be unselfish and put others and love others above ourselves? Love your neighbor as you do yourself. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. And we thank you for your word. Thank you for this congregation, Lord. And I thank you that we are free in you. We have liberty in you. Things, everything is permissible. But Lord, let us again be mindful, Lord, that um, of those around us. Lord, let us be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Lord, your word said that you would guide us and lead us in all things. And we pray, God, that you would just continue to teach us your way and your will. Lord, that we, you would be, we would be sensitive to your spirit and know when the things that are permissible that we're allowed to do, to be able to do them. But Lord, also to be able to uh, be uh, unselfish. God, so that those around us will not be hindered or will not, we will not cause them to stumble or fall. Lord, we just ask your blessing upon each one here today. Continue to teach us your will, your way. Help us to walk in it. We give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.